You are on Line of Sight, a War Machine and Hordes podcast for new and experienced players, sponsored by Broken Egg Games. Welcome to episode number 61. 61, right? Of Line of Sight? Jaden, is that correct? I, th- I think so. That, no, no, it's 62 because uh, Brad did the solo one for 61. Ah, I don't think we posted that to our Facebook properly, Jaden. I did. Mm, it's not pinned. Oh, okay. That's my that's my fault. It is. This is what happens when I go on vacation. I'll go it's through. true. Solid intro. Well done. We handled it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my name is Chandler, and I'm here with Jaden. You heard speak a minute ago there. And today we're going to be on with our special guest, Charles Aerosmith. How's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. That's a a voice many people will have heard and haven't heard in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) One of nostalgia and pain. (laughs) I I will throw out a random number of dozens of listeners' hearts just panged hearing (laughs) the first time in so long. Yeah. Yep. We've got uh, people who've been playing the game for uh, a while will will know Charles, but why don't you for for newer people? Why don't you tell us about uh, who you are? Um. Let's see. I fuck, I forget which year it was. I think 2011. I started playing and um, playing out of the the Seattle area meta, which nobody really knew at the time. Um, lock and loaded, like just barely begun. And uh, then I just I really wanted to play seriously. Like it's all started off with if there was this one battle report where both Jason Watt and JVM wrote up the four games for I think it was like a TempleCon Masters and there was four lists and I just read through this thing and I'm like this sounds amazing and I love this whole concept of faction mastery and I was like I'm in I'm gonna play this game and I was like and then eventually like meeting with those guys and talking with them and then growing podcasts. And um, I've been over to the WTC once representing the United States, uh, qualified for War Mission Weekend once, played in the World Championship once, um, but uh, took a break, and now I'm back. And really excited to talk about the game with you guys. For sure. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about exactly like why we have Charles on and what it is we want to talk about, but we got to talk about some news real quick. Yep. Because that's what we do. Uh, Let's do it. The score in CID is up, still. Still. It's still going. Uh, and the everybody's just talking about Makeda three and figuring out what they have to do with that. So if you want to end on yep. some salty discussions, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> people are people have been very passionate about Makeda. So I mean, very passionate. Yeah, I mean, people are people are passionate about Scorn. You know, like Scorn hey. players love Scorn. And they might as well just give her pillars of salt. Let's just cement yeah. the salt. Let's just, let's just make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, she's a, she's an interesting one, and it's been kind of interesting to see where they're trying to push Scorn's design space. So we'll see how that plays out. CIDs have all been pretty good, so yep. they should be. The, uh, the latest compromise version of her looks pretty cool without being game-breaking, so I'm excited to see where that goes. That's what you want, right? Yep. That's the goal. Uh, we've got War Machine Weekend coming up. It's just a couple weeks away. Right? So yeah. One, two, in like a couple days. Yep. 
Yeah, like we've got two more episodes of this before we have to be flying out for that. That's nuts. Yeah. And you guys are all qualified, like the whole uh, podcast. I am not sure of myself yet, but uh, Jaden and Brett are, and I'm pretty high on the wildcard slots. So yeah, I'm, Chandler's I'm, like number four, I think, on the wildcard slot. So. Yeah. so I'll probably be in, but they, they'll be releasing the uh, the final 31, really, because the LCQ winner. But they'll, they'll be posting the final list. Uh, really, it should only be like a few days before the event, because there's a qualifier on the 27th. Um, yep. So they, they can't finalize it until after that, so... So are you guys then potentially the first podcast yeah. ever to have all of your hosts we, qualified? We actually had that conversation the other day. Yeah, I, 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 believe, <laughs> that, I believe that would be the case. Yeah, that's yep. that is a pretty cool <laughs> accolade, though. That that's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. we're very excited. Yeah, based based um, on the past and how many people usually don't show up, I should be in, which would be great because I don't want to do LCQ. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't. Line of sight versus line of sight finals. That's the dream. I mean, if if Iona is there, I expect Brett, expect Brett to make it all the way to the finals, and sure wouldn't surprise me if Chandler does. Yeah. Sue. So. I mean, it surprises nobody if Brett makes it to the finals. That's okay. I know, right? Is if we all get in, but Brett just wins, it's just like, oh. <laughs> Again, I guess. It's just. Brett. I was listening to another podcast, and they were tallying up like how many points everyone had, and it was like. I have this amount of points, and this I have this, and then Brett Fogel has like a million it's, it's points. Absurd. Like, he's like he's like over double the second place. Like it's ridiculous. He's like two, three, four, and five put together. I think at this point. Yeah, it's nuts. That's, that's he's Brett. dream crushed more people from getting in than even get in. Right, like at this point. <laughs> I mean, that's probably that's why we keep him as our intern and not a full host because he would get too powerful. So yeah, <laughs> yep, he's a full host. I promise. Yes. Uh, we just love Brett and like to tease him. Um, so we, we've already talked about a couple times, the recent sponsorship with figure painters. Yeah. By the wonderful Tyson of LVO fame. Yep. Uh, does he have anything new going on? I know he's got those yeah. amazing proxy bases. So, so speaking of which, I'm actually holding one right now. What? Why am I not? Yeah. Sweet. I don't know because you didn't message him and beg him for, for prototypes. It's <laughs> your job, man. Uh, that's true. Anyway, they're really sweet. They, uh, so this this large base proxy I'm holding probably weighs four times what a plastic large base proxy normally I just, weighs. I want them to just be so heavy. I don't know why. They're they're, they're not like, quite that heavy. Yeah. They're like maybe the weight of a galaxy dice. <laughs> that's um, solid. That's a that's, yeah. That's solid. And the holdy thingy in the middle, I don't know what to call it. The little pillar. I've tried it out. I've like set up some models and been like, mm -hmm. can I fit this in here now? And it's really convenient because like you have you can compress your hand down way far to pick it up. And you don't have to like reach around the edges of a base. Yeah. So they're gorgeous. I, I love them. Are they? I would assume a magnet would stick to them, right? They're aluminum, so I'm not sure. Mm. It would be awesome if a magnet would stick to them, and you could get a little stick with a magnet. Ooh. Yeah, pick them up that way. You know what you could do, even if they're not magnetic, is you could glue a magnet to the top. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah. And if you want to check those out, so they're, they're the new uh, proxy bases made by Tyson, but he's got all kinds of just amazing stuff he's got the uh pretty much anybody who is at all interested in crucible guard has seen the rocket men uh mm -hmm. flight bases which are some of the best yep. flight bases i've ever seen on a miniature to be honest and he just made the damn things at home yep um because that's what he does and also if you want to see his ridiculous grimkin army yeah uh, you can go to uh he puts them up on figurepainters.com or you can just go to the line of sight facebook we, we yep. post he he can post on our stuff now so he does it all the time 
Yeah. Can uh, I also say that I think it's super cool that he has built into his website that you can order the proxy bases with like your own logo or your store name, like that just built right into the website that you can order it with custom engraving on them. Yeah, mine mine have line of sight on them, which is. Tyson's one of those guys who's just it's it, he's so involved in the game already he just knows what people are looking for so. Yeah, like, Tyson is yeah, the man. Yeah, he's wonderful. Um, also, our other sponsor, Broken Egg Games. They don't have any new product kicking around right now, not for War Machine anyway. No, um, I think they might be trying to have like the Ret CID stuff out by War Machine weekend, but I don't know if that's going to be finalized or not that at that be, point. That would be impressive uh, yeah. at this point, but uh, hopefully, maybe. That'd be neat. Um, I'm loving the old Broken Egg stuff, because as soon as I got back in, I was like ordering <laughs> the command update tokens, ordering War Sticks, because... These are amazing. Why did we not always have war sticks? Because we weren't allowed to pre-measure. That's why. <laughs> yeah. No, those Yeah, those have just been an absolute phenomenal addition to the game. They're so good. Yep. And, of course, Broken Egg gets the actual Privateer Press license, so you get to have all your all your favorite art on there. Yep. I get to have Malachus staring at me while I'm measuring stuff. It's good. <laughs> it's good. So, on to what we're actually talking about today. So, uh... Charles is in a really interesting position because... So a lot of people do obviously take breaks from the game. That's a pretty normal thing to do. Um, sometimes for years, sometimes less, sometimes more. Uh, and one thing that's a little bit unique, though, is uh, typically speaking, those aren't um, high-profile or players that, that had kind of a loud voice in the community prior to that point. It's very rare that they leave and come back, just because there's not that many <laughs> people who are who are that noisy, I guess, and and have that much kind of media content and things like that going out. Because you know, Charles was on multiple you know podcasts, was involved with a lot of noisy stuff. is a good way to describe. Yeah, that's I, I usually describe myself as loud, like I'm I'm yeah. loud on the internet because it's just I talk a lot. Um, and so you you've got somebody where you actually have like somebody who talked a lot about their perception of the game prior to that point has taken a break. And is coming back. So we just kind of wanted to get a sense of what it's like coming back into the game uh, as somebody who was so, you know, involved and then left and is coming back after after a lot of change. <laughs> after a lot of change. Because um, it was, I mean, it was around Mark, around beginning of Mark 3, wasn't it, I think, when you... Yeah, I played a little bit at the beginning of Mark 3, and that's yeah. about it. And the game has changed, even in that first year of Mark 3, the game changed so much. Uh fixed all thank thank goodness um so <laughs> yeah we just wanted to talk a little bit about what it's like coming back because uh, a lot of people have that experience and, I, and we see that post a lot people ask a lot about i'm coming back into the game since you know the beginning of mark three or even like i last played in mark one what's new it's like, well, a lot uh and yeah just kind of getting that perspective on that so we had a few questions we wanted to ask you well, i suppose i can answer some questions solid so, what was it that actually made you, like, want to jump back into War Machine? Like, what piqued your interest, or, I guess, made you remember wanting to come back and play? Well, I've I've liked war games and, like, miniature games for longer than I've played War Machine. And so I kind of always knew that there was going to be that itch, and I would want that, that strategic uh, satisfaction, you know, of just what comes with playing a game really competitively. And I knew that would probably come back, and I... <laughs> didn't really think there was going to be another game where it'd be like, this other game is just better, so I'm going to play that. So I knew I'd probably come back to War Machine eventually. I didn't sell any of my models. I tried to keep most of it in good shape. Um, and I was watching the Legion CID, but it was not a good time to come back. And 
was talking with um, my very, very, very first co-host, Manual Class, um, and we were talking about how much we wanted to do something again, and he was playing 40K, and we kind of like talked, like, well, maybe we want to try Monster Apocalypse, and just we tossed around some ideas. And then he picked up a Scorn Army secondhand, and it just, I started looking at things like, you know what? I, I could get back into this, and I'm starting like, but maybe, maybe I'm not going to play as competitively. Maybe it'll be painting or something that I focus on. And then, as I really started to dive back in, it was like dip toe in water. No, I'm I'm diving in. We're going to do this. And yeah, that that transition took about 24 hours. Yeah, Jaden makes fun of me for this. Anytime I've I've had so many times I've tried to pick up a miniatures game like oh this will just be my nice side game to play occasionally alongside War Machine and then like next thing I know I'm like I could go to a convention and I bet you I could get into the Masters you know like it's just yeah no this is every game this is like every month or two it's it's unstoppable so yeah like and it's kind of funny like I've I've had this in the past uh, about like could I play War Machine more casually no (laughs) (laughs) it's a nice thought but nope. Well, playing the game casually is fun, but it's a totally different itch. If you're trying to scratch that competitive itch, it's just something totally different. Yeah, there's something about, like, like hard games, and by hard I mean, like, really technical and intense. I've talked about this before on the cast, but there's that intimacy of, like, combating your opponent with your mind, like that mind-to-mind struggle for, for, you know who's going to come out on top that is unique to games like this. And War Machine does it really, really well. Yeah. Like I tell people, like if you, you're not going to understand unless you've played a game to the point that for two hours, you have just had to think so hard that you were sweating. Yeah. Yep. And then like, if you, if you this. haven't gotten to that point, you, you're not quite going to get it yet. Yeah. I have, I have been drenched after many War Machine games. And then you both have sub two minutes on your clock and you have to scramble all your models onto a tray to start another game. Yeah. Good times. Mm-hmm. Gotta love tournaments. That's why I don't want to play LCQ. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do that like seven times in two days. Uh, yeah. So, um, what? So this is kind of interesting because this this will be a little bit different from what kind of a general like listener's experience would be because you were so involved in the community in a very like, I guess again loud kind of way. What yeah. was it like stepping away from the game? Like, what what was that process like? It was very hard because I felt like I had tons of obligations and there were so many things, so many plans that I had. And Jaden and I had just talked about this last weekend because he's, you know, he's probably at the point where he has created more faction content for Mark III than anyone else, which I think is accurate. I don't think that's an egotistical statement. I think it's accurate. And at the end of Mark II, I had created more Legion content than probably any other faction had combined like you could probably take any two other factions and they did not have as much content as i had created for legion with room to spare and i was probably on the cusp of one of the people who had created the most war machine and hordes content overall like so many podcasts so many hours of recording i think at the end of it uh i don't remember how many hours but it was over half a million downloads yeah well then even the stuff you weren't creating directly you were overseeing yeah. a lot of stuff too, a lot of other people's work. I took a mentoring role with like Forgot to Feet and a lot of other like really fun shows and like gave them all sorts of input um to like help them get started and encourage. 
Um, and I just wanted to see more more people getting content out there because I just thought there was a lot of interesting people that had a lot of interesting things to share. So stepping away was very hard. Um, but I think this is one of your other questions, but it really came down to the reasoning was I knew how much it took to become to play at the level that I was playing at. And at the end of Mark II, I had understood the game so thoroughly and so completely. I was finally at a point where I could really show up to a tournament with just about any list that I had concocted and would probably win. Um, and then, you know, having a, a strong showing at a, uh, a national event would be totally normal. Um, but I knew what that took to get there. And I was not at a point at my life where I knew I would be able to put in that amount of effort into Mark III at that time. And so it didn't, I didn't want to play it casually. I wanted to either play it competitively or probably take a break. And so that ended up being, I needed to step away for a bit. Yeah. And I, I want to say, like, I, I, think, I think Jane and I have both been in this situation where we felt very close to the same way. Mm -hmm. uh where yeah there's like a and it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about like could i play war machine more casually uh, a lot of the reason i asked myself that question was uh, due to time a lot of the time or or things going on in in my life or whatever where i was like i need to accept the fact i don't have time to play at the competitive level i want do i just quit <laughs> for a while <laughs> you know do i just leave so like i, I i'm willing to bet that's an experience a number of people have had especially i mean obviously that that's more central to kind of a competitive mindset but um i mean at the end of the day the competitive people are the ones who are the most like ridiculously ingrained because it just kind of comes with the territory yeah um, for the most part i mean I, i'm gonna be honest I, I have to ask myself that question every like month or two as i go oh i didn't play a game physically this month oh, yeah. do i still have what it takes to compete at that level that i want to yeah. um so yeah, I, I, I very much identify with that. Yeah. Well, I'll give you guys um, an anecdote of there was this point in Mark II where I found that basically after every lock and load, I needed like two months off um, because lock and load created a very unique problem of like every single person that I knew locally, both Vancouver, Portland, Seattle, you know, there were so many people that I knew at that convention. And then all of a sudden they're all my friends from all over the world. And I'm like, uh, I have to see Ricard from Sweden because he is just like the coolest motherfucker ever. And, you know, there's so many, you know, JVM, Jason Watt, like Chuck Ellswick, like so many people that I want to hang out with and you would feel pulled in every possible direction. And you would, you know, it'd be like Lord of the Rings. You're talking about just feeling thin, like mm -hmm. too much butter spread across, you know, too much bread. And, and then I was just dead. And I just, I just wouldn't really play after lock and load for like two months. And one time I was like, I'm going to come back to the game and I'm just going to have some fun with it. I'm going to play an archangel in all three of my lists at this tournament. And we drove down to Portland and every single other person from Seattle, except me lost in round one. And I'm like, you guys, I came down here with an archangel. This is not my responsibility to win this <laughs> tournament. And then my, my mindset switched. I was like, nope, not letting Seattle down. I won that tournament with an archangel in all three of my lists. <laughs> Yeah, well, and there's something to be said about kind of the silliness of it. And that's part of why, like, I've loved the fact that Protector can run Double Adjudicator to the thing right now. Because it's a stupid can. list. It can? Does. Absolutely does, can. yeah. And no, I've been it. saying, like, can, like, yeah. like you'd want to do something else. Like, right, and, I, and it's like, like... Oh, it's an option to yeah. play Double Adjudicator. And so, like, I, I had all these, like... You know, I, I've been, you know, playing a lot and dojoing a lot. And, like, 
felt like I had spent so many of like, okay, my competitive stuff all kind of looks like this. And then suddenly it's like, just throw two Colossals on the table and it's amazing. And I'm like, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, like, yeah, you can. I'm like, do you realize that the Legion Discord has done nothing but talk about what to play into Double Judicator all day long? And I've had a lot of people talk to me about it with very, very valid points about how like, oh, I think, you know, single Judicator versions are better for these reasons. And I'm like, I agree with you. But two judicators, <laughs> you know, like it's just, there's there's a degree of like, and I've always kind of done this, like tempering that competitive with just a little bit, a little bit of silliness to me, just has always helped. It always takes that edge off of getting burned out. But even like, yeah. uh, you know, in, in my case, like a lot of people have noticed that Jane and I both, especially like this is really after LVO when this kind of started, um, we haven't been putting out nearly as much article content as we used to. And in, in my particular case, I hit a point where I realized I was like. If I keep doing like multiple articles a week, I'm gonna literally burn out on the game completely. <laughs> I was like, I need to not think about the game occasionally. So like, you you kind of have to take those mental breaks, and and I know how it is to just get like almost too involved to a point where you're like, uh, this might be too much <laughs> for right now. My, yeah, my brain can't to- handle it. Totally get it. So on like kind of a, a approaching and trying to get back into the game, what's like the first step? What's the first thing you go for to to be like, okay, I'm getting back in this is what I need to do to start that process. Well, the very first thing that I did when I started thinking that I wanted to be looking at the rules again is I sent a message to Hungerford and been like, I don't have access to my email account that was connected to War Room anymore. Can you switch it over to this new email so that I can have access to all the cards again? <laughs> that was the first step. And then the second step was really, really thoroughly reading all of my models. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, like many, many times over. Yeah, that's kind of what it comes down to. You, you have to. I feel like it's almost like a, I don't know if like muscle memory is the right word, but you train your brain to like remember all of these cards, and it's like you have to got to do it again. <laughs> got to go back. I will say, again. to a certain extent, I think I took a long enough break that it was kind of nice to almost unremember a lot of what things did, and almost like give your muscles some time to forget what you used to know, so that. You could come in, try, come in more fresh. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that really is the place to start, though. I mean, the, just going through and, and remembering all that stuff. And you're you're back with Legion, right? I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I off and on played other. I mean, I brought Circle to tournaments. I've brought Scorn to tournaments. I've brought Cricks to tournaments, and I've brought Signar to tournaments. But like, all of those combined was probably less than yeah. one to. Five percent of my total tournaments. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Well, and especially with—I mean, you said you played a little bit of Mark III, but at the end of the day, like, it's still relearning a whole new edition, and and so much is different. Like, so many. And and what's funny, and this is something where I think you you can almost have an advantage in the fact that you did take a break for a while, and what you were saying about unlearning things, is uh, that there's like, there's all kinds of things that um, I think models do that that that's not what they do. <laughs> Because it's, like, old information that I need yes. to kind of scrub out of my brain. So. Well, and I'm particularly weak in that area. I learn very quickly. I unlearn very slowly. Yeah. And so the CID process is not, like, that will probably be a weakness that I will always potentially struggle with. Because yeah. I will need to unlearn what something does and learn what it does new. So I think that first year would have been terrible for me where things are really abruptly changing and at a pretty fast pace. Um, that would not have been a good time for me to play anyway. Yeah. We have a cast from, uh, the end of that first year 
or like the beginning of the next year or whatever, where we went over all of the major changes that happened over the course of that year. The first year of Mark III was like a maelstrom. It was an absolute, It was very turbulent. It was it was insane. Yeah. Um. So there was definitely a lot of people who were coming out the other other end of that kind of frazzled. Like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Well, also for content creators, this was one of the things I was most frustrated with is coming out of the end of Mark II, I had switched a lot of our podcasting to be very referenceable material. Mm -hmm. And like we switched removed from play to being a list focused podcast where we would talk about a list and talk about all of the things it's good into and like what you play into it. And that, and we loved it. We, we were so excited. Like as we were going through episodes, like we're going to have stuff from every faction. And then you're just looking back and like, this is all useless. Yeah. And then in that first year, to a certain extent, almost all the content you create is then useless again. Yeah, cause... and that's why, I mean, I remember when, when we kicked off, we had that in mind a lot. And a lot of the stuff we talked about was not hard information. It was very much tactical stuff, more general. Because mm-hmm. we were like, none of this stuff's going to be valid in like six months. Like Because these are things that have to change, so... And if they don't, we probably don't want to be playing yeah. anyway. So. <laughs> We're going to have a really in-depth conversation on how to beat Mad Dogs. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You're just yeah. like, all right, we need to do the ultimate tech against Madrak 2. And it's like, well, it's not the same thing anymore. It's, it's invalid after, you know, seven or whatever months. But Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, I guess we kind of touched on that. But what's been, I guess, the hardest thing coming back? Like, what's... Um, I did not remember what it was like to play a game where I really had no idea what my opponent's <laughs> army did. Oh, yeah. Because, um, you know, even uh, by the time I did my very first tournament at uh, Card Kingdom, which was the precursor to Mox Boarding House, I came to that tournament, and I won my very first tournament playing Bethane, <laughs> and uh, my opponent in the last round was Joel LaPresta, and in oh, that's being funny. The- Bethane versus McBain, and it was both of our first tournaments ever, basically. Yeah, like, what and, even is this finals? You guys don't know that you've like created a conflux black hole of like stuff yeah. that shouldn't happen. Like McBain and Bethane, huh? Well, at that time, Bethane was actually super strong, and people yeah. just didn't realize it um, because it was a very infantry-heavy meta. And I was like, "Do you guys know what eruption of spines does?" Because, yeah. um, but even at that point, I knew because I played so many games against Joel, I knew what all of his stuff did, and there were so many Kador players everywhere that I'd seen what all of the Kador stuff does, and you know, so for the most part, like I had a general idea of what everybody's models did, and my very first game back was against Kador with tons of models that had not been released. Yeah. When I was playing, and I'm like, I have no idea what almost any of this does. And I totally forgot what that felt like, because yeah. I had never played in a tournament and not known that. Yeah. So that was that was hard. That was like, I feel, feel completely ill-prepared. You just have to kind of make decisions and not know whether they're good or bad. I was like, I've, yeah. I have no idea what that's like. That's funny. I hadn't even thought about that. I think Jane and I take that for granted. <laughs> Anybody uh, who plays... No, I I started playing recently enough. Like it's only been four years for me that I still remember what that's like very well. Um, But yeah, it's it's it sucks real bad. See, my all I remember from my early game was just retribution bashing me in the face for like two years. So that's that's all I got. I knew what I knew what their stuff did real quick after game two (laughs) hundred. Yeah, of just getting beaten to the dirt while everyone around me is telling me Rhett's terrible, and I'm like, guys. 
<laughs> no, so Joel Apresta is someone who always played the most off the wall stuff, and like if his faction got a buff, he would like drop the faction and switch to something else. Yeah. And I actually complained to him at one point, and I was like, Joel, you're always playing weird stuff, and I want to go to tournaments, and I want to win. How am I supposed to win if I'm always practicing against stuff that nobody plays? And then every time I went to a tournament, I would play against minions, or I'd play against mercenaries, or I'd play against Rhett. I'm like, well, I know what all of your guys' stuff does. That's like, a- you're used to surprising people. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, Joel, I'm sorry. Like, I'm somehow this weird stuff that you play, I always run into the person who's playing that. Yeah. That kind of yeah, it sounds a lot like my immediate meta. It's a lot of like we have some very solid players, but we are a we are a dark horse jank meta. <laughs> That's just what it is. So I'm always just like, well, I think this will answer Haley three, but I don't know because nobody plays her around here. <laughs> Our Signar players are all on Sturgis. I I got nothing. The yeah. water in this jank tank is nice and warm, <laughs> and it's just a perfect temperature, and everybody loves it. I'm like, I have the Sturm and Drang matchup down. Like, I got it. <laughs> Never gonna come up, but boy, do I got it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess just kind of on the converse of that, what's been what's been easy, or what's I I guess a better question is like, what's just felt good about coming back? Um. Well, one of the first things that I think just the overall player base, and I think part of this is just Mox Boarding House, but coming back and just being like, oh man, everybody's playing such a clean game. <laughs> it is- so nice. And part of that's pre-measuring. Mm-hmm. Part of it's that Jeff and Mox Boarding House just runs amazing events, and that's the way it's always been. Um, and it, it was just really nice coming back into that, because I do remember when I started doing tournaments, that was not the case. And pre-measuring and proxy basing and that kind of stuff was not normal, and nobody did it, and that made for games being really contentious and awkward. And for the most part, that was all gone, and it, you know, just everybody's having really clean, wonderful games, and that was just like, oh, like a breath of fresh air. And yeah, I was like... There was definitely, I mean, there's so much contention around pre-measuring when the edition was coming, but I think as as we got used to it, like, I can't really imagine playing the game not that way. Yeah. Like, it, just, it sounds kind I, of I was, to me. I was pretty hard against it when, like, it was announced, because I, I have really, really, really good depth perception, so I was like, no, my, like sweet eyeballing skills that I've developed are so wasted, but like the more I play with it, the more I'm like, there's no arguing over things, and this actually just lets me do insane stuff. Like, if I can think it, I can make it happen now. Yeah, yeah I... There was an argument where people were trying to explain to people, like, you realize that most good players were already pre-measuring. And people were like, what? And I'm like, it's true. Like, yeah, there were so many like, times... We were like 90% of the way to pre-measuring, pretty much. Yeah, like, between the zones and your control area, and it's... For the most part, I always knew. There was literally a tournament, even that one where I was talking about with the Archangel, there was this point where I was playing against another Legion player, and he was just like, uh, I'm going to charge you with this, Angelius. And I'm like, you're out by, like a fourth of an inch. And he was like, what? I haven't measured yet. I was like, well, there's a 12-inch zone between us. I'm a millimeter in. You're a quarter of an inch out. Your threat's 12 inches. You're not in. And they're like, oh. And that was just what the game was like anyway. There was so much pre-measuring. You might as well now just be like, well, the Blightbringer's got a six-inch aura. Now I don't have to guess whether I leave something in the six-inch aura. It's just cleaner. Or... I can figure out if I'm within four inches of the flag. Oh, now, gosh. Yeah, I remember like, that was, like, awful. Like, I've lost games where it's just like, oh, I thought I was in that flag. I guess oh, I'm not. Well, think about the games where you run up and you're like, I'm pretty sure I'm within four inches of the flag. And then something else happens and the flag gets bumped. But you haven't been allowed to check if you're within four inches of the flag. How do you resolve that? Yeah. 
Yep. Because you didn't know. Like, you there, you weren't allowed to check yet because scoring hadn't happened. So you just had to kind of assume that you were now a contesting model. So it was... It's it just... It's it's a better with pre-measuring. There's no, there's no reason not to. Yeah. 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 It, yeah, it is funny how much, like... It, and the nice thing is, though, because a lot of people were talking about, like, oh, well, now that skill of, like being able to eyeball that stuff is useless. And it's like, no, it saves me so much time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, being able to just look and go, mm, that's out. Like, I don't have to measure it. I'm fine. And, like, I don't have to worry about that on my clock, you know. Because um, I, I have seen, like, I have seen people since the new edition who freeze up to pre-measuring because they don't know how to do that quickly and mentally. Um, you know, I, I played a game at War Machine Weekend, I remember in particular, where I had no business winning, but the guy was so meticulous about his pre-measuring that I was like, I will win on clock. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely, because I was like, yeah, because you just you don't know how to, to eyeball it quickly, and it's a skill that's still very useful. Uh, thankfully, glad I have that still. Uh, I guess one thing that because we talked a little bit about zones, this kind of got me thinking about this. Um, what about because one big thing that changed after you left would have been Steamroller. Mm. Have been yeah, it is a little different. <laughs> what do you what do you think about how Steamroller looks now? Um, I'm going to admit, if there was anything that I was going to change about the game, having just came back, I would make changes to the Steamroller packet. Okay. And this is coming from someone who's worked on many iterations of the Steamroller packet. Yeah. Um, I think it's unnecessarily clunky at the moment. Um, and I think it, it, in certain ways, it's causing some problems for the game. I think it's current in its current iteration, it puts too much weight on going first. Um, it playing for scenario forces too many lists to get abused by skew lists because you're like, well, I have to bring a unit and I have to bring a solo and I have to bring a, a beast. And you're trying to factor all of these things in. And then you're like, well, I've made this nice, cool, diverse list. But we're playing a game where armor skew is extremely powerful and there's a lot of skew lists out there. And it's just like, well, I've built this list for just generally solid, strong scenario play but now I don't have enough of the right tools to deal with these skew lists. Um, and trying to teach new players, this is the, this is what can contest, or this is what can control this, and this is what can control this, and this is what can control this. It's, it's really not very intuitive. So it does, I think, increase the, the gatekeeping effect of like tournament play. And I think it's something that maybe people haven't quite thought about. And I think there's probably a lot more people that, it's much harder to adopt the scenario packet than when it was before. Yeah, um, yeah and it's it, it's definitely a much more complex. the the things I the things I've liked about Steamroller a lot is the fact that the the current iterations of it make you use a lot more of the table <laughs> than than the old ones did for the most part. But no, not to completely crap on it. I think the the general like terrain rules and the six scenarios. There are a lot of positive things about it. Yeah. But I think I think if there was one thing right now. And like I say, they have the largest impact on a positive improvement in the game. I think there's some changes to some improvements that could happen in the scenario packet. No, and I think exactly what you said is stuff that we've talked about even on the cast before. Like we we got talking a lot about like Brett's Maylock list, uh, in that it's like, what's the best things you can be in the current scenario packet? It's very fast, go first, have a lot of hitboxes. Yep. <laughs> and and so he's like, oh, this list does all that, and just won a bunch of stuff with it because you're just like, I just run at you until I score way too much. Um, and, and I've definitely had people, you know, at, at like a competitive level, people know it, but um, I've definitely had people who are very experienced with the game who forget what controls what, you know, like 
in at times where you feel like they shouldn't because it, it can be confusing. Um, yeah, it's kind of like with this scenario packet, I feel like the game would be more balanced if the table had like five more inches on each side. <laughs> it just it feels like a fast list takes too much of the table. Like my my second round of the tournament coming back, we both had basically like a lot of models that could threaten 15 inches. And so it was going to be a huge advantage to whoever went first. And I got that role. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm playing against Doomy too. I'm going to take as much of the table as I can. Yeah. And he's like, that's what I would have done. And whoever didn't get it was going to be on the back foot. And it just, it does kind of suck to have that role dictate so much of, yeah. of not every game, but to have even a third or a fourth of your games be dictated that much by a single role is harsh. Yeah. 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 I could see that. It's definitely something, it was such an extreme change, uh, from the how the old steamroller worked that I think it's going to take a while to kind of nail down, but um, I've really liked it overall, but like, yeah, the concerns you've said are things that have definitely been on my mind as well. Uh, I've definitely had a good handful of games where I was like, well, as long as I win the roll-off. Yeah. There's a reason plus one to the starting roll is like one of the best theme benefits in the game right now. Just saying. Yeah, it's it's almost like, I know this would be super weird, but it's almost like you need a roll to see who goes first before you pick your list. Mm. That's right. an interesting that thought, actually. Really interesting. Yeah. Right, because it's almost like, well, if I don't get to go first, I have to have a totally different strategy. Yeah. I'm not necessarily saying that we should do that. That's sure, just kind yeah, of a yeah. random idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's that significant where it's like if they were going to continue this pace, it's almost like maybe you should like maybe theme benefits should not have a plus one to go first. <laughs> and like just there's no plus ones to go first. You roll and then you pick lists. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Steamroller evolves going forward. Yeah. Uh, so when you've, when you've come back, like what resources have you found the most valuable in, in coming back? What kind of things have you turned to that, that you found very helpful? Um, well, I will say, this is going to be a shout-out to another podcast and one of the best people alive in the War Machine community. Uh, I loved watching Arcane Assist. Mm-hmm. That... Mm-hmm. That immediately jumped out to me as someone who has not played, and you basically want to, like, Matrix, and you're just like, I want to plug in to every single outlet for information and be like, I know Kung Fu. And Arcane Assist was fantastic, and I loved the way that they were doing commentary over the games, and it was it was really helpful to, like, help get me into, okay, this is how people are playing Scenario, and just, like, start absorbing some of that information. Um, that That was one of the first things I'm like... I messaged Tim. I was like, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's that's, also just a ton of content in general. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, I see, I feel like I see new blogs popping up every other day. It seems like people are just, I know how that is. You just feel like you're spilling out. <laughs> like I need to, I just, also I need to just put words on pages. Can I, I want to give you guys a shout out. Um, just in that, I felt like there was this point in time where basically you were either on the Muse network or you were on the Hand Cannon online network, and nobody was creating a new place, and I felt like that was hurting things, and I felt like it was artificially creating this like Muse versus Hand Cannon thing, which was never meant to exist. It's just nobody was creating something else, and I loved that you guys were like, let's create this thing. And we want to do it our way, and that's fantastic. And I honestly, I wish more people would do that. And um, you guys have a lot of the background that just makes it easier for you. Not that it is easy, 
even when you have the right information, because it's a lot of work. But I, I do want to shout out to you guys. I love that you created your own network so you could contribute to the community the way that you wanted on your terms. I think that's wonderful, and I hope more people do that. Awesome. Yeah, Thanks. we definitely when we uh, you know when we when we all had kind of stepped away from Leyline and whatnot and and uh, and hand cannon in general. Really, I was like, you know, I, there's a lot of things I've learned. There's a lot of things that you know personally, like I would like to do better just for how I like to work and. Yeah, when Jane and I were writing a bunch of stuff, I was like, I bet we could do a thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, you're right, we could do a thing. Yeah. And then we are both like, but we can't do it without Brett. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I was like, we need somebody who's actually, like, really good. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, just Brett's so fun to work with. He's just it's true. the nicest guy. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, so aside from we already talked a bit about uh, Steamroller, but like, what what kind of views on I guess like the game or, or factions or anything else have have changed since you played before? I know sometimes coming at it with that fresh perspective, it's like seeing it a totally different um, way. Well, I will say I like um, in general how there is a lot. Well, it's hard in a certain way to be like there is a ton more stuff you have to learn. Because back in when um, my peak in Mark II, there was a lot less super scary lists. And, you know, you, you could really probably narrow it down to, like, less than 10. You know, maybe 10. Let's just say 10, right? You probably go, there's, like, 10 major lists that you need a lot of practice against. And those are the best things, and that is the majority of what you will, you will see. And if you have practice against those, you're going to be in a strong place. And now there's probably at least two to three lists per faction. Yep. And that is both great for the game um, and adds another layer of complication. Yeah. It's like there's, um, there's probably like two to three of those top tier and then like a couple others that are still like good enough to get there. It's, yeah. Yeah. But there is no. There is nothing that's on the level of like Haley 2 Double Storm Wall, and there's nothing that's on the level of Gatsby 2 at its height, and there's nothing on the level of Veil 2 Machinations of Shadow, or, you know, etc. Like, there, there is, there are not lists where you're like, I literally could probably play this into almost anyone except for like these one couple random perfect like counters that you, yeah. 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 And that doesn't seem to exist. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, like, we still have, you know, in any game, there's always going to be conversations about stuff that's like too. You know, we talk about like scorn, siege, and mantraxes and stuff like that. I know people are very terrified of like Resheth or like the Asphyxia Slayer spam things like that. There's a lot of different lists that people are just like these are way too strong. And it's like once you've seen the real boogeyman, <laughs> yes, you know, it's if, like if you're people who are complaining about that stuff, it's going to be definitely like the get off my lawn. Like I had to walk uphill both ways to school. I'm the old player. Like yeah. you have no idea what unbalanced was. Right. Yeah. Cause I, even, even with like Gatsby Slayer spam, yeah, there's things that steamrolls, but like for the most part, it's kind of like, ah, oh, this is too strong. I'm somewhat disadvantaged. And it's like, yeah, you don't know what it was like playing against Lilith two with circle back in the day. Do you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just, just getting shit on like just so bad. And there's just almost nothing you could do about it. You're just like, okay. Oh, well, I'm, like, I'll just use Veil 2 as an example. You yes. have no idea how many games I won having lost almost nothing. Yep. 
there was a War Machine weekend game where people, like, I was recorded, and people were just watching me take apart this Kador player. I'm like, you guys have no idea how many games I have against Kador. Like, probably half of my games are against Kador in Seattle. And I just took him apart, and I lost almost nothing. And people, I'm like, that's, that's just how this list can play. And part of that was Steamroller, and part of that was the list. But, you know, you were ha- you would have, like, very, very one-sided games between good players, and there was not a damn thing they could do about it. Yeah. And we definitely had, like, at the beginning of Mark III, there was definitely some some busted, some busted stuff. And, uh, well, but there was a point, and, and I remember when, like, they put out an errata, and I think it was the Nemo 3 one. Where they, they... I think the first time it was, I think we did, we've done this twice. Yes. The first time true. was Una Two High Reclaimer. Yes. The, the Una Two the High Reclaimer, time and there three. was like Kane and a couple other things, um, and like the Madrak and, and and everything. And there was just a point where, like, we kind of had to step back and go, "There's nothing left. Like, there's none of these just busted things left. <laughs> like, like what a weird feeling it is to not just have like." the absolute monster that you have to be thinking about all the time. Um, which is uh, nice, but in what you said, it also means you're like, now I have to cast a very wide net. Yes, I, I, indeed. Yeah. yeah. I would say, like, if I had to pick, like, one thing, I I would say maybe, like, no double signs importance on Judicator. Like, Like, that'd probably be the one thing I'm like, this is really ridiculous, what you have, like, non-boosted shots That's doing... Right. A non-boosted rat one shots hitting like def twelve models. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good that, that would be like my one thing. I'd probably be like, well, can you just make it so like hand of fate doesn't stack or with just, the or just benefit? call the rule on the adjudicator hand of fate and you're good. Right, exactly. <laughs> like have it just be like this is this rule is called hand of fate, yeah. and then there's the spell and you rename it to something and it's like hand of fate grants blank ability, yeah. and just so just so those don't stack. Otherwise, I think it's great. I love seeing people play massive, huge, great colossal models like that's awesome and i remember the first world championship and i'm pretty sure privateer press wet themselves when the um the storm wall got into melee combat with the now i'm forgetting what's the uh the circle of uh the convergence um colossal the axiom. prime axiom prime axiom when you have the model painted by Jason Watt going in against yeah. Jay Larson's like professionally painted storm wall on live stream on the world championship i'm pretty sure like Every privateer press employee got moist. Jason, right? They're like, this is this is everything we've ever wanted. Jason Watts, one of those very few people who every time I see his models, I'm just like, I'm not painting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, good God. The thing is, not only is his stuff amazing, it's in some of the hardest colors to do. Yeah. Like it's God. Anyway. If you haven't seen Jason Watts armies, find it. <laughs> well, I need he, he does. He's not an artist by trade, but he paints professionally. Like, his job is partially, like, painting and retouching up cars and stuff. So he literally paints every day. Ah, that's why he's so good with an airbrush. This makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I remember the the old Jason Watt, Jay Larson... I think think my favorite thing that I ever heard from that game was that Jason Watt was like three hat adjustments away from winning that game. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so true. Yeah, that's uh, there's a video for that up still too. Because that one was mm-hmm. Jay, Jay had no business at the end of that. Nope. Jason's dice were just like nope, <laughs> like, never again. Well, to be yeah. fair, there was a point when aiming Iris missed. Yes. Yep. Right, and that was yeah. the only thing that almost brought 
she missed multiple times. Like it was because they did a bunch of rounds really quickly, and the game basically came down to could Iris hit, and she just kept missing. And it was like, what is happening? <laughs> well, that was that game was basically decided by divide and conquer, and yeah. Watt like yeah. he faced Tom Guan, I think round one, and had to play Lucant, and then he faced me and had to play Lucant, and then he faced another opponent and had to play Lucant, and then he just couldn't play Lucant in the finals, and he was like. If he was playing Lucant into either of Jay's lists, like Lucant had a Signar was yeah. Yeah. And so it was one of those things it was it was kind of and we base but that year was just like that, where we almost everybody was list locking to the finals for like twelve months. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right, we're reminiscing about the old days. Nostalgia. Know, yeah. It's it's a nasty nasty but beast. At least at least the a lot of the play styles and things of Mark II are at least good lessons for three, whereas Mark One was totally irrelevant. There was so much change. Talking about Mark II, Mark One to Mark II was was dumb, but at least. So I, I definitely never played during Mark One, but every time I hear anybody talk about it, I just think of it as like ah, ancient myths. Because it's all yes. it's all so insane. Like everything I hear about Mark One, I'm just like, what in God's name was happening? Like what? <laughs> yeah. They're like, listen, if two units of Bay Knights charge each other, you just pick them both up. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. It turns but, into um, a nightmare. I will. I will say one of the nice things about right now is let's just admit something right now. The game is about at where it should be when Mark Three was announced. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I can see the that. the game was beta tested when it released. In what 2016? Well, I said that a lot early right. on, especially when they detailed how the CID cycle would work. I was like, this game's not really going to be where it's supposed to be until one, the new steamroller, and two, pretty much every faction has had a CID. Because uh, that's and now every where, faction's had a CID. Yeah, because that, that's where everybody's kind of been touched by the post Mark Three like wand, you know. Um, right. And, and I just remember making lists at lock, you know, before lock and load, because, you know, there was all the pre-released information, you know, from, I forget who it was, the French or the Germans, whoever politely released all of that stuff and violated their NDAs, so we had all the rules, which was great, but you're you're (laughs) making lists. Yeah, I don't know whoever you were, we love you. Just know, I I know you probably don't, you know, have that contract with Private Air Press anymore, (laughs) but we we still appreciate you. Um, Because I, it was interesting, I'm like, well, I currently have an NDA with Privateer Press, but it doesn't cover this, so I can talk about it. How does that work? It's kind of weird, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so, but I was making lists, and I came to the conclusion that either A, the lists I was making were just incomplete, or B, Privateer Press wanted to stealth decrease the amount of time that games were going to take by making it so you didn't have quite as much stuff. Because it, it didn't feel like the lists had all the things in them that they should. And then as soon as I started seeing theme forces, and it became clear that theme forces were the way they wanted people to play the game, and then you had the free models like, oh, well, okay, well now it makes sense. Now this looks like I have a real list. Like, yeah. it didn't feel like that at first. No, definitely. Yeah. No, I, I, know, I don't know what you mean. Like, honestly, I, if I didn't have... I had just bought into a pretty sizable protectorate collection uh, just before Mark III was announced. If I didn't have that to fall back on, I'm not sure if I could have stuck with the game. Because cir- no, you circle, could not have circle was, stuck with the game. Circle felt unplayable to me, and like like I hated every second of it. <laughs> like honestly, there there was like it, eight months of solid nothing but rage about Circle from Chandler. Yeah, it was 
It was bad. I tried to keep quiet rage just at people I know, but it was there, you know, and, and like, it, it was definitely messy. It was definitely very, very messy, but, like, man, it's game good now. <laughs> it's so fun now. Yeah. Like, I'm having yeah. such a good time with it. So. Yeah. Now we are finally playing Mark Three, like, not like, Mark three, 2.5. Three years beta. later. <laughs> we made it's it. It's been two. It's been, yeah, it's yeah. been, like, two years. Yeah. But, yeah, and, like... Thank God for guys like Will Pagani and everybody who's just, one, been so damn patient with all of us, and, and two, has just brought so many good ideas, and, and CID process has been yeah. really good, for the vast most part. Well, yeah. Well, and Pagani didn't start, he didn't even apply for the job with them until mm-hmm. after Mark III yeah. was already announced and out. Like, the, the position, they did not start the application process for the position, so he... <laughs> can literally not be blamed for any of the problems that we had going into. Yeah. I think he brought he brought a, a mind that we all knew was very, very good into, into Prevdent. Not to say that, like, the people there aren't very smart and, and doing good stuff, but I think he yeah. he brought something they really needed. Well, and Pagani, you know, it, it's hard to say. Like, you could make an argument and say that Pagani, at his best, was arguably the best player in the world. Now, with that said, you got to keep in mind, he owned a game store. So the ability to basically go to work and practice this game, he probably got in more games than anyone else. So it's hard to say if, like, if Brett, for example, had a job where he could get in one or two games every day during his work shift, would he be as good, if not better, than Pagani? Probably? Like, it's hard to say. Like, if you take any fantastic player and you let them play as much as Pagani did... Um, but that also means he, he just got in a lot more reps than your average person. Right. And then that, that's perfect for what he's doing now, which is probably still playing a lot of games. Yeah. So that's what, especially for anybody somewhat newer to the game, because it's been a while since Pagani was kind of in the competitive spotlight, obviously. Uh, that guy knew what he was, that, that guy knows what he's talking about. He, yep. he, yeah, he was, I remember back in the day, more nostalgia, but for any circle players from back in the day, there was two like schools of thought. And it was, do you follow the Church of Pagani or the Church of Morehouse? And they had very yep. drastically different ideas on what was good. <laughs> and it, was, it was a lot of fun. Those were fun I remember uh, um, waiting like impatiently when a new Circle release would come out for the inevitable like 7,000-word essay that Pagani <laughs> would write on the subject on the private uh, press forums. Yeah. Those were some of the best threads. It was basically boiled down to, are druids and purebloods good or bad? <laughs> Which one? Which one do you go with? Oh, on the subject of the PP forums, I will say because I'm not under NDA and I don't work for them, I can say whatever I want. Uh-huh. I think it was a mistake to get rid of the faction forums. Yes. I think Facebook is a terrible place that we're trapped into using, and the more that places force people onto Facebook, the more you're giving unnecessary power to a company with very shitty morals to begin with. And I think it was a mistake to basically force people to go to Discord and Facebook. They should have kept that in-house. No, I agree. It was kind of, like, I, they made some comments on it at the time, but I don't know. That's a hard topic to go into, but yeah, I wish they were still there. Uh, I guess just kind of for wrapping up, though, what advice would you have? What piece of advice would you have for somebody thinking about coming back? Well, I would say the first thing that you're going to have to do is you need to take a serious step back and then just go, if you want to play competitively, are you at a point where you're ready to dedicate the amount of time that it will take? And know that you have to be ready to do that. And if you're not, 
it's not the right time to come back yet. Or play casually or, like, come out to conventions and hang out and drink with all of your friends, you know, and play ship captain crew at War Machine Weekend. Like, all of these things can still be done. But you'll know the time is right when you're feeling that itch and you are ready to commit to what it's going to take to get you back to that level. And I know that I have a long road ahead of me, um, and I'm absorbing as much content as I can, but I will get back to that point, if not better. And... I'm ready to take on that challenge and probably get whooped by Jaden a few times along the way. That's <laughs> how so, so Jaden and I got to the place we are today, just beating the tar out of each other. It, it's true. <laughs> we used to play like six to eight games a week, mm-hmm. just like slapping each other down. And the finals, it was a lot of fun. The finals of like half the tournaments here was Balder 2, Haley 2. <laughs> yep. <laughs> For a long time. Because I was like, well, yep. he's going to wow. play Haley 2, and my best answer is Balder 2, so here we go again. <laughs> Are yep. you just trying to make people throw up? You're just yeah, like, hey, what do you play? Were, Haley 2 and Balder 2, were, and everyone's just like gagging. Long games. They were. Like, yeah. no joke. Usually you want the finals to be over pretty quick, so like everybody can sort of deflate and go home. But like everybody else's games would be over. Chandler and I would have like five minutes left on the clock each, and everybody would just be like crowded around until we like, finish the game already, please. Like, people wonder how Jane and I got to be such good friends. Like, literally, the finals would be we would get to it, we'd go split the winnings. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, let's, <laughs> right, let's play. Like, so we just don't have to stress about it, you know? Yep. Yeah, it was yep. good times. Oh, Joel and I did that a bunch where yeah. we were just like, we would get into the finals and be like, we're splitting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, let's, yeah, let's, like, let's see what happens now. That is, for people in the finals of tournaments, that's a really good way to take the stress out of that last round. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, it's just nice. If you're, if you're comfortable with the person you're talking to. Anyway. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I think that's about it for our questions. So I want to say thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon, because you guys are wonderful. Uh, that's getting Jade and I to War Machine Weekend. It sure is, because I would not be going otherwise. Yeah, life. Uh, yeah, it's we appreciate that immensely. It's a huge help for us. Uh, we're Jane and I have been talking a lot about uh, getting some of our just kind of uh, like written content back on track. Podcast still going, going strong as usual. But uh, yeah. So I just want to say to your listeners. Um, if you've been thinking about whether or not you should support these guys on Patreon, I want to highly suggest it. As a person who has worked on content and does the sort of things that these guys are doing, you have no idea how much this is a second job. It is a ton of work, and they want to do it out of passion, and they're never going to be paid what they probably deserve for it to support them. I'm just back. I've been listening to content for like two weeks. I'm already on multiple Patreons and multiple subscribers because i want to support these people and line of sight is going to be next like i'm supported going to be supporting their patreon as well because i enjoy the content so if you have the bucks to spare like it is worth it these guys do a fantastic job and you want to show these people so they don't leave the game for two years right like (laughs) (laughs) uh it's not a bad idea to show them the support and maybe that can just be a message and just let these guys know how much it means to you that they're doing this and what it means to help because that may be the thing that keeps them playing yeah, no joke on that one. I've had many, many days where I'm just like, man, I hate where I'm at with this game right now. And somebody messaged me like, we really appreciate the article you wrote last week. And it's like, okay, I don't hate this game. I'm really happy with this. <laughs> I, there was episodes where I didn't even want to release the podcast. I was like, Emmanuel, I hate this episode. This was garbage. I I don't think we should even release it. I think it'll just make us look bad. And then I was like, well, whatever, I'll just release it. And then have people like, this was the best episode ever. And I'm like, 
what? I, I know exactly how to, I know that feeling for sure. I, we have had some ones where I was like, this was a mess. And they yep. actually turned out to be some of the better ones. It's just... It's funny how different it is being on the inside versus listening to it from the outside sometimes. Yeah. Yep. Looking at your own yeah, work. Support, support, the, uh, support the podcasters and stuff you listen to. Like, it goes a long ways. Yep. It also uh, helps make sure that my wife's cool with me sitting down here instead of hanging out with her for a night. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's a huge help. Uh, it, it definitely is. And it, it, gets, uh, it gets Jane and I around. It's, it's a huge help for us so if you do want to check that out you can go to patreon.com slash los war machine uh it's there's just there's a few tiers on there and it just uh it's based on how often we put the podcast out which is usually just once well convince me what what tier should i do well the highest one (laughs) there's what what are the advantages why why should i pick this tier sell me i'm ready to i'm ready to patreon right now so all you have to do is sell me on this chandler Uh, all right so So the thing about how because we haven't i guess we haven't talked about this in a while huh um, yeah, I've listened to like six or seven episodes of yours yeah, already, I and I don't know how your Patreon works. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. we brought up the specifics for quite a while. Um, honestly, so how, how the Patreon actually plays out is everything that we do is just going to be posted publicly for free. We don't really have anything that we want to like, uh, like subscriber or Patreon only, like casts or articles or things like that. It really just boils down to like, it, I think one way we described it early on is a little bit like giving a tip <laughs> to somebody. And uh, we have the three different tiers we have is a $1, a $3 and an $8 tier. Um, once a quarter, which I think we need to do this actually, cause we haven't. Uh, yes, yes, yes we do. Uh, once a quarter, we do a raffle, uh, for everybody who does support us on Patreon, which goes towards, depending on the tier you're on, it's either like a small base blister, a like heavy kit, uh, or a, uh, small base blister painted by your choice of line of sight host, AKA Jaden. Because uh, yeah, Chandler, you're a pretty spectacular painter yourself. So I, yeah, J- it's just Jaden's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, eh, um, I'm not ridiculous, but I have been chosen 100% of the time so far. It doesn't help that so. I always go pick Jaden. Uh, no, I'll, hap- I'll happily paint anything. I actually, yeah, I, I discount myself a lot because I speed paint a lot because I didn't feel like painting an entire protectorate army meticulously, but. I do good work when I try to, so try me. I dare you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we do those those three raffles. I believe one thing we started doing as well was the Broken Egg one, right? We yeah, so in addition way. to that, we are, um, at the end of the month, every month, we are going to be raffling off a something <laughs> from Broken Egg Games. If you're in the $1 tier, it's like a widget. If you're in the $3 tier, I think it's... Uh, like a proxy-based set and something else. I can't remember. I wrote it down somewhere. And then if you're in the top tier, it's a War Sticks of your choice of faction. Yeah. Um, and then also at the end of the month, we'll be raffling off $10 towards Tyson's store towards somebody on Pat- for somebody on Patreon. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, if you wonder why it is that when you actually go to the Patreon, you don't see any of this stuff, it's because I'm not allowed to have it written on there. So that's why. Uh Yep. Yes, I learned this also while podcasting. Yep. Basically, raffles, gambling laws, can't do it. Yes. Yep. Yep. It's good yep. Times. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but that, that's something we do. Um, at the end of the day, though, what it kind of boils down to is just helping us keep doing what we're doing. And so the, the different tier amounts, it's like it's a $1 per cast, $3 per cast, or $8 per cast, or the three that we have up there. And it just kind of boils down to, like, 
do you want to kind of sort of is it uh, of... per month per two it's, months it's per... per it's that amount per cast that we actually post so typically that's going to be four per month um sometimes five depending on the month um so it just kind of boils down to like the really the one dollar one was the one the one and the three was the ones that we were like hey these are probably what people will will do if they just want to be like hey here's a uh you know, a few bucks kind of as a tip to help out. And then I was like, oh, I'll throw the $8 one on there for people who are feeling particularly generous and, and really want to support the content. Um, and a lot of people have chosen to do that. And it's been really awesome. And it's been a huge help for us. Uh, yep. It just, yeah, it, it keeps the ball rolling. It keeps the keeps the lights on. <laughs> and uh, it keeps uh, the significant others happy with what we're doing as well, which is a big help. Um, hey, plus it means you guys are paid to podcast. Yeah, no, yeah, we've... We've we've had that conversation before. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And yeah, and it, it it brings in a little bit. I'm able to. It, it helps pay for like, uh, you know, like hotels and and air, airline tickets and stuff. It hasn't typically paid for like the entirety of those, but it just it takes that edge off of it and, and makes it easier to to get around to these things. And especially like the the big thing is like as much as I really love playing competitively and like yeah, that's my main thought process going into into any given event. Um, the thing I remember the most after every event is all of the like fans I meet who I get to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's just a really fun experience, and it's part of the, the reason that I just I don't want to stop going to conventions, and part of why that extra bit of help from the Patreon is, is really important to me, because I, I do get to go out and meet all these people and see people who are really excited about the stuff we're doing, which is just a good feeling as any content creator. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So it, it gets us out there to meet fans a lot of time people who are supporting us on patreon and and say hi and hang out and have a drink or whatever yeah and i'm sorry if i'm insanely awkward in person but i am i have (laughs) he's not lying there's there's a i'm gonna say this because i I actually haven't brought it up before um there was a i tend to get very very focused on what i'm doing especially when i'm playing a game of war machine and or thinking about a game of war machine i just played and there was uh, a guy who I know is a fan of ours named Jesse. I won't say his last name, but uh, he tried to say hi to me at War Machine Weekend, and I feel like it looked like I totally ignored him because I was, like, not present at the time. If you remember that, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I always it, felt bad. It, Every time someone would introduce me, introduce themselves to me, like, right before a tournament round was going to start, because it was like... I have no opportunity to save this to my permanent memory. I'm immediately going into this hyper, like, attentive, like, I need to try to win this game. And remembering a name of someone who just spoke to me is so hard, well, and, and I always felt so I'm, bad. I'm bad with names, especially if you don't look like your Facebook profile. I spend so much, I end up spending so much <laughs> time on Facebook that, like, I can link that. But, like, yeah, but I have had, I have had a, a ton of experiences, and these have always been really great. And I love this at conventions, too. I've said this before. I've had a ton of experiences running into people who were like, yeah, I've been playing the game for like two months and decided to come to LVO or lock and load or whatever. Um, and I'll see them like first round at a tournament or whatever. And like, <laughs> you know, I, I've been playing a long time and, and play pretty hard. So like it's, it, but I, I try to use that experience to kind of teach them. And a lot of the time they've been people who are like, oh yeah, and I listen to all your stuff and it's a huge help. And like, that's like, it just warms my heart. You know, it's, it's for one sure. of my favorite things. Um, well, I've already taken time off for LVO, so you can pre-convince me. Nice. LVO nice. is so good. I love that I have, yeah, I love that I have a good convention in driving distance of myself. Oh, you're in driving distance? I hate you. I'm, I'm, about, six, yeah. I'm about six hours from Vegas, so five. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're in Seattle. 
Yeah. I mean, I have pretty cheap flights to Vegas, so... Yeah, 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 for sure. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, also, we want to give a huge thanks to Broken Egg Games for their support. They've been a super awesome sponsor for us. Adam is just a wonderful dude. Um, I wish... I always want to, like... I always want to, like, advertise a thing for him, but he hasn't posted any new things for a little bit, but... Uh, Dude, the faction uh, tokens. The faction tokens are oh, really good. Oh, so good. Like, if if you play this game and you don't have, like, a Broken Egg faction token set, it changes, like, I love how beautiful an army painted, you know, having beautifully painted armies are and, like, cool terrain on the table. But then also having, like, your cool faction tokens where you're like, this has playing God with a legion symbol. And it's like, yeah. yes. Well, I, I, I'm going to throw something else out about the tokens. Yeah. If you don't like the pre-printed ones... Uh, if you look at the Company of Iron ones, they're like erasable ones, like the Privateer Press ones, but they have the gorgeous art still, and I'm probably picking those up for Circle this time around. They have erasable ones in the Company of Iron set? Yes. I they ordered have. it by accident, and I just have it sitting in a bag. You are a genius. I, I was unaware that that was a thing. No, I, I think am, most people are. That's wonderful. I'll have I am time. now... How did I accidentally order something <laughs> amazing? This is... I should have known. It's a broken egg product. Uh, yeah. No, I, I had a long conversation with Adam, um, one of the first times I met him, actually, in person, anyway, uh, about he is really big on, like, hiring artists that know what they're doing. And, yes. And, like, paying paying them to do good work, you know? And, and so that's why, like, I, broken egg stuff has always just been so much more vibrant and interesting to look at than any of the other ones that I've looked at, so... I love my Broken Egg stuff. It's great. However, I have a oh, bad yeah. habit of slowly losing tokens, so I need to find more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if you do want to go to the Broken Egg store, you can use the code LOS5CODE. That gets you 5% off everything that they do, which is great. Also, a big shout-out to Tyson at Figure Painters. We talked a bit about his proxy bases and stuff as well, but if you go to figurepainters.com, that's where Tyson's stuff is. Uh, you can see both some great, fun, little kind of... Uh, auxiliary products for War Machine, as well as just some uh, just absurd painting. And particularly, if you like LEDs and models, I don't, <laughs> I don't think anyone in War Machine is as good at it as Tyson is. Like, his stuff is, I think that's a fair assessment. There's, there's no tying him in quality. Yeah. No. Yep. Yep. I mean, he, like, resin casts whole sections of models just to make them glow. It's just like, damn, dude. Yeah. Uh, you can also check out our website, which is LOSWarMachine.com. All of our stuff gets posted through there. You can also find us on Facebook, which is just at Line of Sight. Uh, that's probably the easiest way, because pretty much absolutely everything gets fed through there. It's also a good way to see uh, us just posting pictures of stuff we're painting or things we're working on. Tyson also posts there as well with various yep. kind of work in project, work in progress type stuff. Give us a like on there. You'll get notified of everything we got going on. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at LOS underscore Chandler at LOS underscore Jaden. You can find Brett at ChokeObsess underscore LL, except he'll never check it in his life. Uh, <laughs> you guys still have not been able to get him to switch to a better nope. handle. No, nope. nope. I hate saying oh, it out loud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I do have one other thing to add, though, um, that a listener suggested that you can also find all of us on Discord. Um, we're pretty active there, and you can PM us on Discord. So if you... Uh, don't like Facebook for any reason, and you're on Discord. Shoot us a message. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't like peruse Discord much these days. But if you tag me on it, which I'm just los underscore Chandler on Discord, um, I get it instantly because everything feeds through. I am, I am constantly linked into every social media ever. So message me on anything, yep. I'll probably get it pretty quick. Um, do do do. Unless it's actually through the line of sight page, in which case, who knows. <laughs> 
hate pages for mobile. It's terrible. Um, speaking of which, you can message any of us on Facebook. We're all reasonably friendly. And Charles, do you have any like online presence now that you want people to message you, or are you staying out of that? Um, I would say the my favorite social media is Twitter at the moment. Um, but I'm just at the Omnis, and uh, I'll I'll start I'll start ramping up the content again. But I want to be I want to be at a I want to be at a level where the content is useful. Yeah. So oh, it, it'll come. That's it'll come. Reasonable. Definitely reasonable. But yeah, I think that's everything from us. I yeah, that's it. Huge thanks for coming on, Charles. Yeah, well, it was thank great. you. Back again. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I always love talking uh, talking about the game we love. So for it's a pleasure. pleasure. That sounds like I'll see you at LVO. That's the plan. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>